So, hi everyone. Welcome to the Solar View podcast. I'm Tom Miller, editor of Solar View magazine and marketing director here at Baywa RE Solar Systems. And today we're going to do a little financing 101. Um, and joining me to do that is our residential financing director, Rachel Shapira. Thanks for joining me, Rachel. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Tom. Good to see you again. Yeah, likewise. And I don't think this podcast is going to be for everybody. You know, it's really intended as a as a primer, a 101 for those of you who are interested in getting into solar financing. But I'll also say that you do have some savvy things to say from time to time. So I think folks might find a nugget or two here that might be useful. So, you know, we're going to publish it as a regular podcast, but we're also going to have a landing page dedicated to this material. So if folks want to dig in more, there'll be the landing page. We'll, we'll have a link in the show notes to all of this information. And what Rachel's going to do is just really spell out like, what's the 101 that you need to know about being an expert on solar financing? Uh, and Rachel, with that, I'm going to ask you to set the table, you know, where should we start for this 101? You know, give us the lay of the land. I, I would say this isn't a 101 for being an expert in solar financing. This is a mm -hmm. 101 for like, so what you need to know to get started either applying for solar financing or what to do to prepare to apply for solar financing. Most importantly, what goes on behind the curtain, what the solar financiers are looking at and what they're looking for when, when you apply. Ooh. Just a little insight into the black box. Okay. I like it. I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. So, so lay it out for us. Where, where should we begin? Okay. Well, I would say the first thing to understand is what's going on in the market from a bird's eye view. Mm -hmm. And I'd say the first thing to understand is that, you know, 82% of the residential solar installed in the U.S. last year was installed with solar financing. Now that's either leases, PPAs, or or loans from one of the major lenders. That's excluding uh, people who are getting their own financing from a local bank. That's excluding, um, you know, PACE. That's excluding HELOCs. That's excluding personal loans. But 82% is coming from one of the big lenders or one of the big leasing companies. Okay. Yeah. That's a it's big, big point, number. Huh? Yeah. yeah. The reason for that is really because it allows the solar installer to start selling on a monthly payment, which means that they're talking to homeowners about immediate benefit that they realize the day their system is interconnected. Mm. You know, rather than having a conversation with someone about, hey, this is this system's gonna be a good investment for you and pay off in five, 10, 7, 12, 15 years, depending on the solar market you're in and what the cost of energy is. You're having a conversation about, you know, you can save money starting, you know, a, a couple months from now. <laughs> right. Um, super effective, super effective sales tool. Yeah. It's a really wildly effective sales tool. It also, generally speaking, is a dramatically easier process than um, what a homeowner has to go through to go out and get their own financing. And, you mm. know, the truth of the matter is in the U.S., we have a low consumer savings rate. So not a lot of people have large nest eggs and people who have nest eggs are generally hesitant to part with them during a recession. Mm. So there are a lot of forces driving the move to solar financing. Okay. So we've got 82% of residential solar, you know, being installed in the US is financed solar. So what are the, you know, the, I think you mentioned there are two primary ways installers can find solar financing. Can you, can you talk about those a bit? Yeah. So generally speaking, the solar financers are working through dealership models where they offer lending directly to the homeowner or they offer leases directly to the homeowner, but they issue payments to the installer. And so the installer should think about, do I want to offer loans or do I want to offer leases or do I want to offer both given the fact that, you know, some people are going to get the most financial benefit from loans and other people are going to get the most financial benefit from leases. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really about what 
type of financial product do you want to sell? And then um, start evaluating which companies that you want to work with from there. Mm, okay. And so how do folks determine what type of product they want to sell? So generally speaking, if someone has taxable income, they're going to be really well served by a loan because most of the solar loans are structured in a way so that the ITC benefit or the, the solar you know, federal tax credit helps make the monthly payment of the loan lower um, mm. from day one. But there are lots of people in the US who have homes that are great for solar and could really use some savings on their monthly payment, on their monthly bills, mm -hmm. who don't have a ton of taxable income, people on a fixed income, people on disability, people who are retired. And those folks are generally best served by third-party ownership or you know, leases or PPAs. Hmm. Okay. So an installer might or a contractor might want to have a good sense of who they're talking to and which product might fit well with that exactly. household. Good student, Tom. <laughs> so thanks for that overview. So Let's get into the ways that some of these financing options are deployed. You know, how does that typically work? Who, who is connecting whom? What are the relationships there between the homeowner, the contractor, the financing company, all of that? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, well, generally speaking, the finance companies um, want to set up a dealership model where they pay the installer directly um, for work that's being done, but they offer loans or leases to homeowners. So the installer will have to go through an onboarding process with the finance company to get approved to be able to offer the products um, that they have in their suite. And, and so in that case, the contractor would reach out directly to the finance company that they're exactly. interested in partnering with. Okay. Exactly. So they, they reach out to the finance company, they'll complete an application. The, the finance company is going to want to see things like financials, their contractor's license, um, maybe bank statements, you know, all, all sorts of different documents that speak to the financial position of the installer. And then they're going to do a, some additional research that goes on in the background. This is some of that behind the black box, what's going on in the black box that people were wondering about. Okay. Um, and if someone matches, meets their their underwriting criteria, they will onboard that installer. The installer is gets access to the platform to be able to run credit. The homeowner can sign loan documents if they pass credit, and then they can run someone all the way through the installation and disbursement process. And then when the project, the system is completed, um, system gets PTO, um, the funding gets paid through uh, directly to the installer. And before a contractor makes a decision about which financing company they want to work with, what's the best way for, for them to research these companies? Go to the websites? You know, Are there other ways that they can do their due diligence to decide with whom they want to work? Honestly, I think there aren't that many finance companies out there. So mm. I think it'd be worth looking at all the major players. Um, okay. You can listen to them, hear their sales pitches, see what they have to say and what they could offer you. I would also strongly recommend talking to maybe your sales rep at Baywa to see if they have any intelligence there. Talk to other people you know in the solar industry. It, you know, it's nice to get a, a personal opinion. T you know, talk to other people you know in the industry and mm -hmm. hear a little bit about their experience. Okay. So uh, but, they're really just, there aren't, I was going to say, but there aren't so many that it's not worth like giving each of them, a, each of the major players a chance to hear what they have to offer you. And it sounds like they're pretty approachable. Oh yeah. They're very excited to hear from companies like you. <laughs> cool. So uh, can we get in a little bit to that black box that you mentioned earlier? Can you give us a peek behind the curtain? <laughs> Of these financing companies? Okay. I think it's actually really important that installers understand what's going on because I think what the financiers generally are looking at are very reasonable when you think about 
uh, the p- position they're in. Hmm. The main things they want to check for when they're going through their underwriting process is first, is the company in a financial position that shows that they um, are going to be around for the long haul? Because the financier needs to know that the business can honor any warranties or any promises they make to their homeowners. Also, that they can that they're going to be in business long enough to take all their projects to PTO. Mm. You know, they they want to make sure that the homeowners are not going to get left holding the bag, being served by a fly-by-night operation that isn't being well run. Um, so that's like the first thing. That's why they ask for all those financial records. The next thing that they want to know is is there some way they can assess that quality craftsmanship is being done, right? Mm. Because if um, if the work is not being done well, the homeowner is not going to be happy over the potentially 20 or 25 year life of their financial agreement with the financier, mm-hmm. right? Because the installer's relationship, for the most part, when things go well, is very much a, you know, you go through the sales process, you go through the permitting process, you get the, you know, system on the roof, you get it interconnected, you move on, you occasionally hear from some people with service issues, but the vast majority of the customers you only hear from as referrals. But the lenders and um, lease companies are going to have, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 or 25 year relationships with the homeowners. And so- Those companies are going to make sure they want to make sure that whoever is doing the installation is doing good craftsmanship. And so that's why a lot of them will ask for a contractor's license, because most state licensing processes have a way to process complaints or a way to process issues so that the financiers have visibility when problems arise or if there's if there if a contractor has kind of um, bad marks on their on their record. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, the the financing companies are looking out for the homeowner in these cases because Absolutely. they want that good relationship over the long term. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I mean from their perspective, you know, I, most homeowners are not very excited to pay for their their loan if their system's not producing power or if it's underproducing, right? Cuz right. then they'll have their full utility bill and they'll have their loan or lease. Right. Is, is there more you want to share about the black box? Yes. Thank you okay. for circling us back. Yes, it's, please. Yeah, I think you're on Point three, maybe. (laughs) Just summarizing again, they want to make sure that good quality work is going to be done up to code. They want to make sure that the home that the company is going to be around to honor any warranty claims. They also want to make sure that the company knows how to get a system installed up to code and interconnected. Because just because you know how to do good quality craftsmanship, it doesn't mean you know how to not navigate the complex web of regulations and utility requirements to actually get the system to the point where it's producing power and saving a homeowner money. You know, interconnection can take anywhere from two weeks to several months, depending on where you are in the country. Mm-hmm. And so the financiers want to make sure that they're working with an installer who knows how to get homeowners through all the way to the finish line. Because again, it's not put it's not like any other home improvement asset where as soon as the work is done, the homeowner starts benefiting. The homeowner only starts benefiting when the system gets interconnected and starts producing power and sending that to the grid. So fundamentally they're looking for you know the reliability of your company, the reliability of your work, and your ability to navigate the maze of getting to interconnection. Right. right. So that's why they're, they're going to ask for your contractor's license and look for quality issues on your license and then monitor that over time. They're going to look for businesses that have been around a year or two, because generally speaking, people that can keep their company afloat for a year or two are, have already kind of gotten through some of maybe the biggest hiccups in the learning curve of operating mm-hmm. your own business. They're going to want to see online reviews. They're going to look to see what your customers have to say about what it's like to work with you. And they're going to want to see that you've done a fair number of installations and gotten those systems completed. A popular number with a lot of uh, solar financiers is anywhere from 70 
five to a hundred. Okay. Um, yeah. I was just going to ask like installs completed. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't need to be per year. That could be over several years, but they want to see that you've gotten through a good number of systems all the way to the finish line. Because if you've gotten that many jobs done, well, one, you've figured out by now how to navigate the utilities and, um, and AHJs in your area. Oops. I'm using jargon. HJ is mm -hmm. authority having jurisdiction. That's like either the city or county yeah, uh, government you. that regulates permits and stuff like that. Yeah, this is a one-on-one. Come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry. So a few other things they're going to ask for and yes, a few ways kind of around is um, they may ask for your financials. They may ask to see bank statements. Generally speaking, they're going to want to see that you keep two to three months worth of, you know, your operating expenses in the bank, which means, which is your way of showing that you can weather, you know, a, you know, a, a temporary downturn, you know, that's always been kind of a best practice for small businesses is keeping two to three months worth of money to keep your doors open and your employees paid um, should things take a tip down and you, you can weather the storm. So having some money in the bank is a good way to show that you're going to be around for the long haul. The finance companies are generally going to want to see insurance also, workers' comp, because lawsuits can you know, completely sink a company if they don't have insurance or workers' mm -hmm. comp. And then one thing to know, because I, I sh I'm sure a lot of people are hearing these requirements and despairing, you know, these are young company. If you're an entrepreneur mm -hmm. who just started your solar, solar business, you're like, oh God, 75 installs feels really far away. Three, keeping three months worth of cash in the bank feels really far away. You know, getting, having great online reviews. Well, I haven't even thought about setting those things up. Right. Um, you know, a lot of the solar finance companies will have paths for young companies to kind of get through, but still kind of meet their requirements for stability. So if you have a sister company or a parent company, let's say you're you're a solar arm that's an offshoot from a roofing company or an HVAC company. You know, if you mm. can get your parent company to cross indemnify your solar business, that could be a path to come over, overcome the financial hurdles. If you're a solar veteran who has been in the industry managing crews a long time and you just started your own shop because you're an entrepreneur and you've always dreamed of starting your own business and you learned how, how it was all done working under right. another company and you're ready to do it, you may be able to overcome some of the minimum install requirements. Different lenders and financiers will have different kind of ways to make sure that, again, those homeowners are going to be protected and those homeowners are going to have good quality work done. Right. And that's really what they're looking for. They yeah. So see... talk about your situation. Exactly. Explain Explain your track record. Explain your work. Yeah. And if and... you can get a more established company to back you, that can be another way through. Okay. Well, those are some great tips. Are, are, are there any others that, that you have <laughs> there in your bag or, or should we, should I ask you the kind of the final wrap up questions here? Um, I think we're, I think that's enough in the black box. So let, let, okay. let's focus, let's pivot over to what do we do until you qualify and what can you do between now and when you qualify? Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's talk about that. If you're, I, I was surprised by a few of the hurdles, you know, but we also don't want to make it sound like, you know, getting financing for your company is impossible. It's not at all. Why don't you lay that out? So how can, yeah. you know, a younger company or, or some of the folks who, who might not qualify for the normal channels, what kind of tools can they have um, in their tool belt? Well, I would definitely recommend reaching out to your local banks and local credit unions. Mm -hmm. A lot of um, banks and credit unions, given the great performance of, you know, solar financial products, are wanting to get into offering it. It might be a little bit more cumbersome to work with them than mm -hmm. it is to work with, say, one of the big, you know, solar finance companies that have really mastered making it easy all the way through, mm -hmm. but they can help your, you get to the point where you can still sell on a low monthly payment. And so 
you can still expand your addressable market using credit unions and um, local banks to get you to that point where you have done enough business under your belt where you could look at using one of the you know solar finance companies. Okay, well, that's a great suggestion. Go go to your local credit union, your local bank, try to yeah. develop that relationship and see what they can offer you. Um, exactly. wh- what are some of the other opportunities that you can think of? Yeah, I would also say as you're working your way through, you know, to get to those 75 or 100 install mark marker, make sure you're getting your company into a solid financial position. You know, you can look at getting financials made by a professional accountant. A lot of people are, you know, doing their own bookkeeping at startup at startup mm. companies, but having a professional bookkeeper, professional accountant look at your books is a great way to make sure that you are managing all the expenses. You know, solar is a very cash intensive business to get all the work done. Uh, so making sure that some your books are being managed properly is is going to help your business one, you know, survive the ups and downs of the solar coaster. And two, it's going to help you um, get to the point where you um, are on stable footing so that you can get through with a solar financer. Right. You can also um, work on your building your online reputation. A lot of people don't realize that even if you don't have a website yet, because you're too young of a business to have invested in that, you can go to, you know, you know, Google and get Google reviews. You know, if you go into Google Maps, you can claim your address um, as a business and then um, have a place where people can start giving you reviews. You can get reviews on Yelp, on EnergySage, on SolarReview.com, on Facebook, on Better Business Bureau. They're all sorts of online platforms where you can start building your online reputation. That's not just going to help you get through with a seller financer. That's also going to help you with customer acquisition because you may not realize it, but before you meet with homeowners, much of the time, they have already Googled you. They've already looked you up on a lot of these sites. And if you don't have a presence there, that might give them pause and it might Absolutely. be hurting your ability to close customers. So mm-hmm. this will improve your close ratio and it will improve your ability to get solar financing. Yeah. Great suggestions. Um, Is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up? Yeah. If you're a young business, um, and if you don't already know about it, NAPSEP is a great way for you to learn more on the technical side of the installation um, process. Mm-hmm. I mean, NAPSEP, I believe, even has uh, things to help you learn how to sell. Um, there are all sorts of resources that the industry has put together to help young companies like yourself enter the industry. Um, we want you to tap into them so that you can be a strong, healthy business. That's a, that's a big part of this industry's growth. Absolutely. Great points, Rachel. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Laying out um, our, our financing 101. Yeah. Is there something else? One last thought though. I hope that me showing you what's going on behind the black box though, doesn't leave you afraid to apply for solar financing. If you've been in business more than a year, you have a little money in the bank and you have, you know, and you're doing like at least, you know, 15 installs a year. There are a lot of solar financiers who'd be very happy to talk to you. And so it's not that difficult to get in. I just wanted to show you kind of what was going on behind the curtain so you'd understand one, why it's taking their risk team or their underwriting team a while to review you, and two, so that you understand that they're not just being arbitrary, asking for random or unfair things. They're just trying to protect their homeowners. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Thank you so much for for peeling back some of these layers for us. I, I'm excited to, to work with you to put the article together, and, and I'm sure our audience is appreciative of of, of your input. So you want to reach out to Rachel, you know, she's a great resource. Um, and, and yeah, Baywa is here to, to help you run a successful solar business that that's what we're in the business of doing as well. So Rachel, thanks for chatting with us today and, uh, yeah, see you next time. Thanks Tom. See you next time.